in that scripture reading that Brother Carl read in Luke, there was some cooperation happening between the man who came to his friend's house at midnight. There had to be some cooperation happening uh, there, and we need to cooperate with God as well. Jesus taught us many things when he was here on the earth, and uh, if we're going to be his disciples, we need to cooperate with him. We're going to have a little cooperation experiment this morning, as I share as well, between myself and my son. Technical difficulties, lovely computers mess up. So with the PowerPoint this morning, Sean's going to be tapping the button between slides as we go along. So we need to cooperate. This morning, did that thing come on? You can go ahead and hit the first slide if it's working. I turned it on. The green light's on up there. Sean, can you turn this on, please? <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Not sure what's going on. We had it working earlier. We're going to be talking from the Gospel of Matthew again this morning. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. And we are looking today at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I have been sharing... Messages from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, starting in August of 2019, so we are almost at the three-year mark, and today uh, we are hoping to finish up the, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount here with the last part, verses 24 through 29. <clears throat> it's been a very fascinating study, a very challenging study for me as I've studied it, and I don't know how you found it, but... Um, Maybe you're glad it's come to an end, but I think it's an amazing sermon that our Lord preached, and uh, it's just good to go back over it and read it again and again uh, to catch everything, because we are definitely not exhausting it with these messages that I've been sharing. There's so much to learn there, and so much to apply to our lives. <clears throat> you know, if we just read the Sermon on the Mount, if we just listen to it, like you're doing this morning, that I read it or whatever. You read it, you listen to it, you study it. Even if you study it, it's totally meaningless unless we obey it. Hearing the word and doing the word goes hand in hand. If we're doing the word, Jesus said, we're going to see today, Jesus said if we're doing the word, then we are on the rock. So yes, important part of the whole thing is obedience. We need to obey it. Well, we're going to go on. In this sermon, Jesus starts with the Beatitudes. Just a quick review here. He starts with the Beatitudes, which most of you are real familiar with them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to say them all. But starts out with the Beatitudes in the sermon. Then he teaches on subjects such as prayer. Reading from a different gospel, Gospel of Luke today. Uh, the model prayer in chapter 6. Um, he talks about uh, justice, talks about care for the needy, talks about handling the religious law, he talks about divorce, he talks about fasting, 
He talks about judging other people, salvation, and much more. He hits lots of different topics uh, in this prayer. But he's very practical and he's very concise. He's truly a master orator when it comes to sharing this message. It's a very packed sermon. And it is a guide for his followers who desire to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. But again, we've got to obey it. We can sit here and read it over and over again and listen to it over and over again, but unless we own it and obey it, it's going to be meaningless to us, worthless to us. Most of you have cars. You came in a car this morning, and a lot of you are car owners, including myself. And I had an interesting thing happen to me recently with our little Honda Civic that we have, a little 2003 Honda Civic, and uh, <clears throat> it was overheating. So Sean drives it a lot, and Sean, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but uh, he, he drives it a lot. And then, like, if he was sitting, he's been hot this summer, so if he sits somewhere in park and he's sitting in the car and it's idling and he has the air conditioner wide open and it's just sitting there idling like that in the heat. The thing was cranking up and getting real hot. I said, man, you gotta shut that thing down. We, gotta, we can't, I don't wanna overheat that thing and mess up the engine. So that happened okay, a couple of times and we fortunately got it shut down. And I got to think about like, what could be wrong with this thing? What could be wrong with this thing? And I am not much of a mechanic. I, can jumpstart a car, I can change oil in the car and the filter, and that about ends my mechanical ability, almost. <laughs> I'm not much of a mechanic, but I thought, I wonder if it's a thermostat going bad in this thing. How hard can it be to change a thermostat? So you know what I did? I got on YouTube. And I watched a YouTube video. <laughs> you know, if you go on YouTube, you might be able to do a self-appendectomy. I don't recommend that. <laughs> uh, but you can do about anything, and you can find a, a YouTube video about anything anymore. But I watched a, a, a YouTube video or two or whatever on how to change a thermostat in a 2003 Honda Civic. And I watched it many times, actually, because I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> and I wanted to be sure. And so, you know, I watched that, that, mechan that mechanic on there, how to do it, and I was like, that looks pretty simple. And so I attempted it myself. I got me a thermostat and got me some uh, more coolant fluid and stuff, and we got all that out, and we, and we changed the, the thermostat in that little Civic, and I started it up, and you know what? It's a pretty cool little car nowadays. It, got, it works. The temperature gauge stays right there, driving down the road, sitting there idling, it works. But you know what? If I wouldn't have watched that YouTube video and followed the instructions that that guy, that that guy gave on the video clip, <laughs> I wouldn't have probably got very far at changing that thermostat. I wouldn't know what I was doing or I'd have put something back together wrong or something. You gotta, got, you gotta get certain things lined up putting that together. So my point being, the video clip was truth in how to change the thermostat. And if I wasn't going to follow that truth, if I just watched it and didn't pay heed to it, then it was worthless. I, no use doing it. Did it not work yet? It is. The green light's on. Should I turn it off and back on? Off. 
Okay, red light's on. Now I'm going to turn that green light on. I mean, I'm going to try to. <laughs> green light's flashing. My computer's shut down. It's disconnected. He's, he's supposed to be using like a little uh, thumb drive or whatever you call it on that computer back there. Green light's on. It's not stopped, block, it's stopped blinking, but it's solid green. Well, you know what? Maybe we're just not supposed to use that, that contraption this morning. Let's keep going here. So where was I at? I was telling you about the thermostat and how we got it running. The car's running fine now up to this point. I don't know if it's going to keep running, but it is for now. So thankful for that. But God, God cares about uh, tiny things, little things in life, doesn't he? Just like we heard, I think, uh, Jolene talked about the key this morning. So that's a little thing, but it's great that God, give God the glory. He helped find the key. So that's good. God cares about little things. This morning, Jesus is going to speak to us about hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. So turn to Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 29, if you haven't already. And here's where the PowerPoint would have helped a lot because I would like, I was going to have us stand and read it together, um, but it's kind of hard with different translations, so why don't you all stand anyway, remain standing with me, and I'll just go ahead and read it. If you want to, you can follow along, Matthew 7, verse 24, and I'll read it this morning. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will wise man who does, who rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Verse 28, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Remain standing with me if you would, please. And we're going to sing a couple of little songs together, go along with the story songs. First one is, the wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. And the house on the sand fell flat. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings will come down. The blessings will come down as your prayers go up. 
The blessings will come down as your prayers go up. The blessings will come down as your prayers go up. So build your life on the Lord. One more song. I don't know if this is going to be as familiar. I hope we can all sing this one together. Have you heard the song Obedience or O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E? You spell it out. Okay, most of us know. I've seen some head shaking, so that's good. Don't want to sing solo. Let's try it together. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it joyfully. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. One more time. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it joyfully. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Thank you. You may be seated. We'll repeat those a little bit later on. <clears throat> Back in 2010, September 2010, a test was conducted at the Institute for Business and Home Safety in Richburg, South Carolina. Researchers constructed two 1,300 square foot houses inside a $40 million laboratory, and then they observed how a simulated hurricane would impact the houses. The first home was built according to the conventional standards. Second home included some reinforcement straps that connected every level of the building, from the foundation all the way to the roof. Then, the researchers turned on giant fans, creating gusts of wind up to 110 miles per hour, equal to a Category 3 hurricane. In the first two experiments, they lasted under 10 minutes. Both homes survived the intense winds. But when they tried the third experiment, turning on the fans for more than 10 minutes, the conventional home began to shake and shudder, and then it collapsed, totally collapsed flat. In contrast, the home with the floors and the roof reinforced to the foundation sustained only some cosmetic damages. Some of the, uh, what do you call it, flashing along the base of the roof line where the, the gutter passes on, some of that was blown off. Some very minor cosmetic damage happened to that, to that home. An engineer working on the experiment summarized the results with a very pointed question. He said, quote, the bottom line you have to ask yourself is, which house would you rather be living in? Well, it's pretty obvious. You'd rather be living in the one that was reinforced. And they were just trying to make a point of, so you got hurricane winds and we're building these houses just normal and they're they're not lasting, so what can we do to make them better? So they, they found a way to make them better, and I think down there, hurricane region, I think there are some codes now where you have to do some, maybe some of you guys know this, there's some codes where you have to do hurricanes, reinforcements of some, maybe it's these straps that they're talking about, I don't know. But they found ways to make houses stronger for hurricanes. So that's in, the, in a physical, literal sense of making houses strong, using wisdom and making houses strong. But Jesus is going to talk to us today in this passage about building houses on proper foundations and building them strong. Jesus speaks with authority in his sermon today. 
<clears throat> and I'd like to start at the end of, the, of this text today, in verses 28 and 29, we'll start there. In verse 28, it's, again, it says, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as, ha as one having authority, and not as the scribes. So as Jesus preached, the people had never heard ever anything or anyone speak like this before. The Bible says here they were astonished. Other translations use the words amazed or astounded. In the Greek, this word translated astonished is used four times in Matthew and at a total of 13 times in the New Testament. And every time it's used, it's always concerning the people or the disciples at the teaching of Jesus and or his miracles. They are, are they were astonished. The word is in the imperfect tense, meaning it's an ongoing event or a past continuous action. The people just cannot get over what they heard from Jesus, continually being astonished at what he's saying. What was it that astonished or astounded or amazed them? He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So the scribes would teach, or the other rabbis would teach, and they might say, thus saith the Lord this or that. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus just spoke the truth, and he didn't say, thus saith the Lord. He was the Lord, and he was very bold in what he, saw, in what he taught. So the authority of Jesus is a central theme in this whole Gospel of Matthew. He demonstrated his authority in nature many times in the Gospel. If you read Matthew and then the other Gospels, he calmed storms. He had authority over the demons, and he cast many of them out of people. He had authority over diseases and illnesses, and as we know, he healed many people. He had authority over life and death, and once again, we know that he raised many people back to life in the stories that were shared in the, in the Gospels. In fact, as you know, and praise God, Jesus himself conquered the grave, or we wouldn't be here today. There's no need for us to be here today if he, if he hadn't. So Jesus himself came back to life. Jesus is authority. Before he ascended back into heaven, he reminded them of his authority, and that's recorded in Matthew's gospel as well, but later on in chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Once again, he just comes right out with it, and he says it. All authority has been given to me. He did not leave it to the crowd to perceive his authority. He claimed it very openly. Very bold of him to do that, isn't it? Unless he had the authority to make it, which he did. Jesus did not leave, give his skeptics much room to wiggle in their opinion of who he was. He was either everything he says he was, or else he was nothing at all. He must be fully accepted or fully rejected. Jesus is God's son. He has all authority. Now we're going to look at verse 24a. Start at the beginning of our text. Verse 24, the very first word. The word is therefore. Jesus begins this short parable with a very significant word, therefore. He's about to make application and draw a conclusion based on what he had preached to them just prior to this. 
And so we're going to go back now in just a few verses prior to this in chapter 7 here. And just for a moment, we're going to consider where Jesus had just come from. Verse 13 of chapter 7. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. So there, and we talked about this, some of these things the last time I shared in a message. There, we have two paths to follow. Narrow is the gate and the way that leads to life. Relatively few people walk that that path. Broad is the way to destruction, and many, many, most people walk this road. Verse 17, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So there Jesus talks about two kinds of trees. Everyone either bears good fruit or they bear bad fruit. And we know from Scripture that we as Christians are called to be fruit inspectors among those who are in our midst. Then in verse 21, Jesus goes on. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So here, Jesus is talking about two types of people. Those who do the will of God, those who do not do the will of God. Two paths, two trees, two types of people, and now today we're going to consider two different foundations and those who build on them. So first of all, we're going to look at the wise man versus the foolish man. Look at a little contrast. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, that's these sayings that Jesus is preaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. All, this, all the content of the Sermon on the Mount, all the different topics that, that he covered, that I mentioned a couple of them there earlier on. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them. He's going to liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Next part of the parable is similar, but it's opposite in verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine again and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So first, notice the similarities. Jesus said about both in both verses, he said, those who hear these sayings of mine. So we have two groups of people. They're both hearing the sayings of Jesus. Verses 24 and 26. Jesus, I don't think, is talking about the lost people here. He's talking about church people. He's talking about people who uh, have heard the word, heard his words, and they have a choice to make. That's the inference here. He's giving them a choice. They can either do them or not do them. And that's the difference. Those who hear the words of Jesus and does them, verse 24, those who hear the words of Jesus and does not do them, verse 26. Hearing the word or merely reading the word are not a substitute for obedience. Just because we sit here this morning and we read the, the, the Sermon on the Mount or you read it in your private devotions at home or wherever you read it, just reading it or hearing it or listening to it, it's not going to do anything to you unless you take it and be obedient to what Jesus is, is saying, what he's teaching. It's the key. Preaching, casting out demons, performing miracles, they're all 
They can all be done by God's power, but they give no assurance of salvation. We are to hear God's words and do them. We're not just here to put on a show. We're here to be obedient to God. James 1, verse 22, James says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. We must not stop with only hearing or studying his words. Our hearing must result in doing. So we have genuine Christians and we have counterfeit Christians, you might call it. Genuine and counterfeit Christians often look very much alike and maybe sometimes are hard to distinguish between the two. You can't really tell the difference that much. Both appear to be building Christian lives. Both hear these words of mine, quote unquote. Both are members of maybe of a visible church community. Both may even read the Bible, go to church, listen to sermons, etc., 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 all those things. Both groups may do that. But the reason you can't tell the difference between them is that there's deep foundations in their lives that are hidden from view. Remember the hurricane test that I just told you about, the two houses in the hurricane test? Both houses looked identical on the outside. And I actually had pictures to show you of those houses in that, that, lab that laboratory. But both houses looked pretty much identical, okay? But in the, in the fortified house, you did not see the reinforcement straps that held, held it together to the foundation. So you couldn't really see that, the part that really made the difference. So you have people who are really following God and those who are counterfeit. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. But there is something that's different. It's that deep inside, being obedient to, to Christ. Obedience is the key. That's our next point. The real question is not whether they hear, respect, or believe Christ's teaching, but whether they, they do what they hear. Only a storm will reveal the truth, and the storms will come. We have many people claiming to have faith today. But unless that faith is lived out every day, it's dead. James chapter 2 and verse 20 again, James speaking, says, but do, you not, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Let's remember again, the, faith isn't, the works isn't what saves us. The works is not what saves us. It's because we have salvation in Christ, because of what Jesus has done for us, because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are living within us. And we are being obedient to his teachings and to what the Spirit tells us to do. Living, he was living within us. And that, that was the, one of the songs we sang. That just, I was, we were singing, I was reminded of it. It's like so amazing. Talked about God, how big God is. And I think about how, how, God, how big God is. He created this universe and the macro world. And yet he lives inside here. Same God. He lives within us when we yield ourselves to him. His Holy Spirit guides us. Obedience to the words of God is not an option if we're going to be followers of Jesus. It's something we must live day in and day out. When we are obedient and we live out the word, it's something that Jesus likes, likens us to the wise man in our story today. He says in verse 24, 
Whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. There is a real danger in every generation that people will hear Christ's words and then not act on it. Sometimes we get complacent. We raise children as fam- and our families and we try to teach them God's ways, but sometimes there's complacency sets in and they might walk away from God intentionally or maybe they're just doing without being a follower of Christ. They're just going through the motions. So, very careful to teach and to train and to challenge to walk with Christ each day and not just go through motions. Have a relationship with Christ each day, day in and day out. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, again, I'm going to say Christ is implying here that we have an option. We have a choice to make. That's the implication. We need to evaluate our obedience to God's word. I'll illustrate with this little story. A heavy rain had stopped falling just before a man drove down a lonely road. And as he rounded a curve, he saw an old farmer surveying the ruins of his barn. The driver stopped to ask what happened. The roof fell in, said the farmer. Leaked so long, it just rotted clear through. Well, why didn't you fix it before it got so bad? He asked the farmer. Well, sir, replied the farmer, I just never seemed to get around to it. When the weather was good, I didn't need to. And when it rained, it was too wet to work. And so there you see an example of somebody who just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until the barn deteriorated and the roof collapsed. Friends, we need to be careful. It's easy to think that someday, someday I'll get to work for Jesus. Someday I'll care for those little sinful habits that I'm dealing with in life. Someday I'll put that aside. Someday I'll start to live for Christ. Today is the day. Today is the day to make that commitment, to follow Christ, to cast off that sinful habits, to to yield myself to him and let him clean me up and live for him and start that relationship today. Don't wait. The roof will cave in. When we're not obedient and we do not live out his word, then Jesus likens us to the foolish man in our story. He says in verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Disobedience to the word of God leaves our salvation in doubt. When we are hiding our sin, those areas where only you and God knows about, do you have those areas in your life that only you and God know about it? When you're going to hide that stuff, and not get real and serious with God and get it out, then you have a good reason to question your salvation. The Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's serious, folks. To say, I know God 
and you're not keeping his commandments, you're a liar. Truth is not in you. You are not saved. It's very serious. If we have known sin in our life and we're going to hide it, the truth is not in us. So as we go through life, the storms will come. I mentioned that earlier. Storms are definitely going to come. The rains, the floods, the winds, they're coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's like those people who live in the Gulf Coast region of the United States. It's not a matter of if a hurricane is going to come by their way. It's just a matter of when. About every year we see hurricanes come up through the Gulf. So it strikes different spots. Some people squeak by every year without getting burnt, but it's probably going to hit them one time. The storm in this passage is judgment. Judgment both in the temporal sense and in the eternal sense. The true believers, the genuine Christians, those who hear the word of God and are obedient are on the rock, Jesus said. They're on the rock. They're fastened down. They're not going to be moved. In verse 25, Jesus said, And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Didn't say, you follow me, you won't have any storms. It's not what he said. But he said, if you follow me and you're committed to me, when the storms come, and they will, you will stand. The counterfeit Christians, those who clearly hear the word, of God, but who are not obedient. They don't live out the word. Those people have much to be concerned about. Jesus said in verse 27, and the rains descended, and the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus had some very strong and hard words to share at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. He shared lots of truths, lots of different topics, lots of different things. And he says, if you're going to be obedient to these things that I'm teaching you, you're going to be on the rock, you're going to be strong, you're going to be my follower, you're going to enter the kingdom. But if you're going to dis disregard it and refuse to obey it, you're not one of mine. I, ne I never knew you. God knows us through and through, doesn't he? It doesn't matter to God if you're a preacher a deacon, Sunday school teacher, one who always faithful at church when the doors are open, coming in the door every Sunday. It doesn't matter. If you're not living out the word of God every day in obedience to him, you can be sure that when the trials come your way, when the storms come, you're on the sand. Jesus told a story of the wise and the foolish builders here to stress the importance of obedience to his words. And I'm sure you got that by now. I just keep saying it over and over again. It's obedience. It's obedience. It's all about obedience, following Jesus all the way in full obedience. That's what it's all about. Another illustration, Neil Beetleman survived the ill-fated 1996 expedition in which eight climbers died on Mount Everest. Some of these people had paid $65,000 for a chance to scale the world's highest peak. And in assessing what went wrong, Neil Beetleman, the survivor, he said, quote, tragedies and disasters are not the result of a single decision, a single event, 
or a single mistake. They are the culmination of things in your life. Something happens and it becomes a catalyst for all the things you've had at risk. On Everest, that something was a raging blizzard. And according to the journalist Todd Burgess in the, uh, about this event, Todd said, if not for the storm, the climbers may have gotten away with taking so many risks, but the storm exposed their weaknesses. So they had some weaknesses as climbers. They took risks. They did some things that weren't kosher, you might say. And they might have gotten away with it and did fine. But a blizzard came and nearly wiped all of them out. So thinking about that in life. You may do little things. You may have little things going on in your life. And you may squeak by sometimes. But when the storm comes, and it will, you're on the sand. <clears throat> Obedience to Christ doesn't eliminate the storms, as I said earlier. But it, it determines whether we're going to be able to stand or fall in the storm. So, as was shared this morning, I guess it's the Schrock family in Idaho, they have a storm going on in their life. Losing a young man, a healthy young man, suddenly gone. That's a storm. I don't know this family, but I can imagine it's very painful. And they are following Jesus, they're going to be able to stand in this storm. They're going to come out strong in the end. So, I'm about finished here. As you think about the Lord's Sermon on the Mount, you go home today or this week or next month or whenever, you reread it sometime. Don't just read it. Don't just listen to it. Don't just study it. But read it slowly and be obedient to what Jesus is telling us to do. Be a doer of the word. All right? Let's stand together and sing our songs together again, and then I'll be finished. Start with, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. The rains came down as the floods came up. And the house on the sand fell flat. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings will come down. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. The blessings will come down as the prayers go up. So build your life on the Lord. So don't just build your life and build your house. Uh, don't just go through building, but let's be obedient, okay? O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it joyfully. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. God bless you. You may be seated.